Hi, my name is Sean Shaler. That is my host, Chris Ford, aka the Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter fame. And this above me is Theo Brown, who is for the second consecutive week, unless you're one of the two people watching live on Twitch. Thank you to Twitch people. That is Theo Brown, and he is back for part two of an episode where we had a ton of fun and also talked for a really long time. So we decided to cut it in half. But that's fantastic that we get to have Theo Brown back for essentially for another week of podcasting episodes. So thanks, Theo, for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. No problem. This time we'll pretty much jump straight into the episode, which is And the Winner Is, and it's episode six of Legend of Korra, season one. But before we do that, uh, Chris, how are you doing? I asked Theo last week. I never asked you. I'm sorry. That's my bad. Uh, I'm doing great. I've been um, recently spending a lot of random money on statues. I got like three on the way. Um, that's not that important. Also, I've been spending a lot of money on t-shirts. I got a new t-shirt. It's Kyoshi shirt here. It says, only justice will breed peace, um, which is very relevant to today that only justice will bring peace. Um, so hopefully, you know, we get more justice. That is a stellar shirt. I'm glad you. Where Where did you get that shirt? I I want it. <laughs> uh, just off of Amazon. I can okay. send you the uh the exact one. There's a couple different ones. I can send you the exact thing because it's pretty. It's size pretty right and everything. So okay. Put it yeah, in the group I, chat because yeah. I may also need one pretty badly. Yes, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, I know we just going pretty good. I finally made a video, which was probably out. Uh, two weeks ago by this point. So it's the uh, the cautionary tale of Avatar Quirk. I highly implore anyone to watch it. It's probably one of my most personal videos. I'm pretty sure I cried writing it, honestly. <laughs> because I, I mentioned a good friend of mine who passed away who uh, just kind of related to uh, to uh, Quirk's story. Uh, so let's bring up the mood. Also, hopefully by the time this is recording, the Lakers have won, I think, their 17th NBA championship. Probably won it in five. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So hopefully, I'm, I'm I'm celebrating. Yeah. Hopefully, you know they just win four. You know, because I, I don't like. I just I just want them to win every single game. I don't care about competition. People not liking the finals. People think whatever. Lakers win. That's all. That's all I want. I appreciate your dedication <laughs> to the game, but I just I can't see the Heat not sneaking one out. I just I can't see it. It's, they're too much. They're gonna get one. Yeah. Uh, Chris, the current video too transitions really nicely into our video last week where we did avatars as NBA legends. And when I say we, I mean you two. And it comped really well in there, and we had a really nice talk about Kurok. So if you skip that yeah. episode because you're like, you know what, I'm really not that in the NBA, you know, maybe go back and listen just to hear us talk a little more about the avatars. I think it's probably worth your time for that. And we had a great time, so I think it's going to do well. So good correct talk in the last episode before we jump into our talk here uh, provided chris doesn't get upset that i'm going to do this like every other week for the foreseeable future as i gotta plug my fundraiser i'm having a fundraiser on november the 14th and it's all the money is going to harvesters the community food network and they help feed hungry families that's very important to me that's here in kansas city so i've got six or seven raffle prizes some are really cool some are kind of eh, but i'm working on it and I will put a, I will make sure to share the Facebook public event so that you can go buy these raffle tickets, contribute to the cause, win some nerdy prizes. So something that's very important to me, I'm very excited about it. And I'm done with my spiel for another week or so. All right, you guys keep talking. I'll be right back. I forgot that I didn't grab the baby monitor. So my, my child could be crying his, his head off right now. I'm like, man, I haven't heard anything. 
There's, I was thinking also like there's something else I was supposed to be looking out. Right now. <laughs> so I mean, but you guys keep talking. I'm not gonna I'll say be- that Chris forgot his child, but wow, no, I'm just kidding. Good job, Chris. Yeah, well, hey, I'll be right back. That's okay. Let's jump. We're gonna jump into the episode, and we'll make sure yeah. Chris catches up. But Theo, as you mentioned previously, maybe last week, quote unquote, technically, mm-hmm. that this episode is kind of a tale of two halves. Would you be yeah. interested in stepping through what happens in the first half of this episode? Yeah, so Chris, how long to get back? So yeah, this this episode, um, you know, we're starting off with uh, Bolin and uh, Cora and Mako training, getting ready for the finals, um, getting ready for the finals of the pro bending match um, against the what's the name of their the team they're they're playing against the um, bat something bats, wolf something wolf, wolf bats, bats wolf bats yeah i don't know it sounds like a name that's trying way too hard yeah it, it's so it's funny i i have in my notes the wolf bats remind me i don't know why but it reminds me of of twilight like the pale skin yeah. and like the the weird i don't know why it makes me think of twilight vampires for some reason because you're thinking Pretty about applicable. Batman, that's why because you're thinking yeah. about robert pattinson yes <laughs> always <laughs> me too it's okay yeah so so we start off with uh with with that training little opening scene um and uh yeah that that kind of i just i one thing stood out to me about that particular scene just right away out the out the gate was how like intense cora was like she just really wants to win this thing you know um and for me like the first third of this episode is kind of blah it's <laughs> just personally um i don't know what your thoughts on it are but yeah that's it. I, I like the the opening to it but it's, it's a little you know i don't know <laughs> couldn't tell the direction yeah. of that that episode i kind of like that the team avatar is finally all like all on the same page like before and there was a lot of like on a love drama and stuff that they're all maybe i just didn't love the previous episode that this is a, a kind of refreshing seeing them all being like are we playing our best our best uh, work right here we're all doing great and we're gonna go, go into the championship and we're gonna beat them I um, think so, so that was kind of refreshing i think you're absolutely right because like at first she was the new person she was a sub second there's a, the love triangle and now it's like no this is pinnacle mm-hmm. fire fair yeah yeah um we we have that scene directly after they do their their the little training thing and Aman kind of hijacks the radio for a little bit and um, afterwards Cora's Cora's like all right we have to go to City Hall so we have that scene in the City Hall spot where Tenzin and the other council members are talking about um, Aman and basically they're the council members are talking about not having the prendy, the pro bending match happen. And one thing I took note about about that scene was that Tarlock is about to like hit the hammer or the whatever those what is it called gavel um, gavel the gavel yes he's about to do the gavel and like yeah like officially like hey we're not gonna have the pro Benny match and then in swings in Lin's uh, Lin Beifong's uh, metal thing her metal tentacle and it smashes the gavel. And my first thought was, does the chief of police have the authority to to do that? Like, it, it, that didn't really add up to me from like a, a hierarchy structural thing. For Probably not, but Lin Beifong does. <laughs> True. 
I'd be, I, I would be afraid of. But watch yourself, McCoy. Watch yourself, McCoy. <laughs> uh, she didn't just grab it either. She snapped it. Like there's yeah, no way that meeting it. can end now because the gavel's yeah. gone. Way That's to go, true. Lynn. That's true. Yeah. Which I do. I do think it was interesting. I feel like, um, sorry, I just now turned on my son. Somebody was waking up, so I turned on the, <laughs> the lullaby. Give him go back to sleep. It's like a. Oh, you like turned that off from thing. the other side. That's kind of handy. Yeah, no, all right. Wow, baby, mom um, come a long way. They have, anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I like that scene because I feel like Tarlock is is using. He's like, oh, you're going to, to guarantee that that things will go right. Like the first time watching Legend of Korra. You knew Tarlock was was shady, but you didn't you didn't know how he was shady. Like you you might have even thought that he might have been Amon. He's just like working things. Like there was a couple different theories about Tarlock. You just knew he wasn't all there. Um, and so I found this to be pretty interesting for Tarlock. The Tarlock is manipulating Lynn into into doing this because he knows like all right, it's a win win, right? If she doesn't, if she if she kidnaps, if she defeats Amon, boom, she she kidnaps Amon. I can say that. I approved uh, the chief Bayfon to go out and address these people. And if she loses to Amon, then I can now insert my own person in there and I can rule that way. So you can see him, those, those, uh, I don't know, you can see the, the gears turning in his head mm-hmm. and you can kind of see him playing that. But Lynn still gets what she wants. So in a way, everybody does kind of win. Like yeah, it's still a wins. good idea uh, from Lynn. So everybody kind of wins. Yeah, everybody wins. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't have anything else <laughs> <out No>. there. <laughs> you didn't miss much either. We just. I mean, we introduced the episode through that scene, and then they decide. I suppose at this point, yeah, they decide. All right, let's go ahead and uh, a lot of people change their votes to say let's have these finals. Yeah. And those people are kind of finalists because because uh, they just went along with with whatever Tarlock said, which is kind of annoying. Yeah, they didn't have any personalities. They were like side characters in a slasher flick or something like those people. Right. They're nothing. Yeah. There, there's that scene directly after the um, the meeting and, you know, Tarlock's like, cool, all the stress is off my shoulders. Just Lin Beifong, you, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to fail. So I don't, my task force doesn't have to fail. So, um, but so Tenzin is talking to Lin in the hallway and it, that's the, it's the scene where uh, basically Cora discovers that the two of them used to date. I just, yeah. I just think that scene is pretty hilarious. But there's something that <laughs> uh, there's something that Lynn said. She said that the chi blockers couldn't block, couldn't like do their thing through their yeah. through the police metal, uh, you know, garb. I was just wondering, like, would there could there be a chi blocker that's powerful enough to? I don't know. Am I, I don't know if I'm making this up or like, you know, get through, um, you know, armor of some sort. I don't know. Just... I mean, their domes are still exposed. Like, come on, then. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's like, it's yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That, that was kind of one of the reasons, one of the reasons in our, and we had a long conversation with uh, Chandler from the Arrow podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, when, when we did our non-bidding competition and we're like, well, sure, Ty Lee can chi block, but Suki, she, she might be like Kyoshi, and then she, she has chain mail underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure how, how well she, she would do, I mean, how well uh, chi blockers would do against uh, that metal. Mm-hmm. Seems like a serious martial artist could maybe 
take a good crack at it, but right. we'll never know. And then I also had written down here that like uh, like directly after that, um, we, there's like a short scene where uh, Amon's sidekick comes up to Amon and is like, hey, the council took the bait. They're going forward with it. And Amon's like, everything's going to plan. Yeah. But I, my, my, my thought was, is how did how did that sidekick get that information or was that like a public announcement or did it's probably a public announcement yeah okay probably some time went by okay i guess yeah because my, my initial thought was that maybe tarlock <laughs> leaked leaked that to someone but, but that yeah. lack of clarity could contribute to those theories yeah. that chris was talking yeah. about right like that you know it's yeah. not extremely clear so mm-hmm. that could be like creator intentional just to keep our brains Mm. our brains moving or maybe yeah. not I am. Yeah. <laughs> i'm not creative at all quick. i don't know what kind of process they go through <laughs> come back real quick to that scene with with cora putting two and two together like, i like when tenzin was like well yeah well you know yeah me and lynn used to date but we grew apart we wanted different things and the camera is just like panning in on him and the music is like way more like sincere <laughs> it got me so then- off guard <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's like getting really thoughtful about like well, we wanted different things and he's like wait why am i telling you this like i i don't know i just cracked up with that. it caught me really <laughs> off guard i didn't remember that coming at all and i was like that's that's some sean taylor meta humor right there i love it <laughs> with the music playing to it and everything oh and then of course i was like i'm surprised she didn't have pim arrested and tens was like oh she tried she tried <laughs> i think this is just some great voice work done by um jk Simmons, yeah, yeah magic. <laughs> it's 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 funny that that scene reminds me of uh, of me talking to like when I'm in high school talking to um, a, a teacher who's in their 30s and like for, for all of us we're in our like early 30s, right? So I, I think to myself now I still act and talk and think like I'm 18 sometimes, and so I'm wondering in my head like I just think it's kind of funny how Tenzin is like. <laughs> doing this reminiscing and you're kind of seeing him be this like going back to that but like how how much childish interplay between Tenzin and Lynn is happening and mm-hmm. Cora's looking up to these figures these uh, these adults you know yeah, <laughs> yeah it's funny that's yeah. us we're the adults now Chris has babies I know yeah that's crazy <laughs> I have a cat I, I got a dog. Yeah. <laughs> I so this is totally tangential, but I hope you get a chuckle out of it at least. Is that when I saw that scene, the first thing I thought of was that. So my uh, my first like grade school girlfriend, like I don't even know if you count as girlfriend, but we we call ourselves that in grade school. So I had a best friend in grade school, and I switched and went to a different high school and had a different best friend. Me and my best friend of grade school both quote unquote like dated this girl. And then, like, way later, she ended up marrying my best friend from high school that they had never even met each other. And now we play D&D uh, on Sundays because we're huge nerds, all four of us, my wife included. And then uh, my wife likes to bring that up sometimes. She's like, you like playing D&D with your old girlfriend? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't tell if she's serious and thinks or if she thinks it's funny there, there's some seriousness in there i'm sure there's i don't think there is but uh tbd but yeah. um anyway uh we skip ahead at this point right after this scene pretty much gets to the match or they yeah pretty much yeah pretty much into gets to their the their walk-ups mm-hmm. yeah 
the uh, the only thing I'll say right before the game, uh, right before the match starts, Lynn and and Tencent have a good moment together again. They're like, mm-hmm. "Hey, Lynn, I know we've had you know our things, but we should do this together." And then she's like, "Like the old times," and he's like, "Yeah, like the old times." So they have a pretty good, sincere moment there. Yeah, I do like the walkups. I like that uh, Pabo gets to uh, <laughs> do his little trick, and that's their whole walkup. And then that the uh, the other douchebags, I forget their names, have <laughs> the bats. whole fireworks like WWF thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then they pretty much get to the match, and um, in in the match, and the, the wolf bats are are cheating. Which one thing I love this episode, one thing is I think it provides a lot of context for like rules and stuff when it comes to pro bending without just completely regurgitating it to you in, in the form of of a. Dang it! Why can't I think of the word? Again? It's not like exposition. It's done kind of organically. Is that yes, what you get? Exactly. Yep. Um, like you see it done right, like there's a hosing foul you can call when you're water bending too much mm-hmm. or you can't put ice you can't use ice in there or it'll slip or you fire benders can't use headshots and stuff like that so I, I enjoy that aspect of the fights i enjoy that aspect of the fights but i hate that aspect of pro bending what a horrible what a horrible set of rules so what you, you would prefer hosing and icing to, to take place uh you know what why not just go all out with it no <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm just in this camp where I'm against. Probably how it was before. You know how like UFC used to be like no rules. It didn't matter. Like you could hit people yeah. like in the balls. And you could bite them. There was absolutely no rules at first. And then they're like, hey, if we want people to take it serious, like we gotta have some rules. We're gonna have to establish something. Mm-hmm. I I haven't so I don't like pro bending, but I admit that I'm like part of the problem because I haven't thought of a better sport yet. I'm still working on it. Everything yeah. I've come up with so far is too like one type of bender specific and that's problematic so i'm working on it give me time so so there's like two things with like the pro bending issue but one i personally i never really understood like the problem with pro bending i think it's i think it's a kind of cool sport um but like what's the difference between pro bending versus like what toff was doing when she was doing those secret wrestling (laughs) wrestling matches what you know like the wwe type earthbending matches i i don't see any difference between the two it's one just between like on a football and wrestling. I think there is. I think especially this this episode reveals that the, like all the highly specific rules, like not being able to hose for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. or uh, I forget what some icing. I feel like there's even one more rule. Was it headshots? I'm thinking of. Yeah, and, and then the different layers. I've complained to Chris before. I think the different layers instead of sort of leveling out the competition it's more conducive to like getting things over like if you get an early advantage is extremely important in this sport way more than like in any other sport you could possibly mm-hmm. name and i don't like that i like sports where there's more of like a rubber banding effect to maintain some uh some parity you know? okay but that's just a personal preference and like right. I, said, I haven't thought of anything better so i can't point fingers that's the important Did- did you guys talk about uh, airbending? Like, like let's say an airbending were, airbender were to join, you know, rules built into pro bending with an airbender. I feel like that would be extremely unfair, in my opinion. Yeah, we mentioned it. We mentioned it briefly last week, and I was, I think it was last week. I think that airbending holds the best potential for like a really entertaining, like sort of a modern, real world ball sport, like a basketball but airbending, mm-hmm. like uh, you really high up basketball hoops and you're like you're ground bound or something mm-hmm. like that and just something like i, I feel like airbending has the Sean. best potential sucks. what's that 
No, I, I hate Quidditch. Quidditch. We already established Quidditch. this. If pro bending is here, Quidditch <laughs> is on a different table on the floor over there. I hate Quidditch. It's the worst. Quidditch is pretty bad. It's a terrible lie. sport. Any sport that ends when the best player on one team does the thing that ends the game so that his team can lose mercifully, that's not a good sport. Yeah. It's like, hey, Steph Curry, just hit this 50-footer. <laughs> you hit and this your team wins. quarter so like, the game can be over. Like, sure, I'll just keep trying to hit this yeah. no matter what. It's stupid. It's terrible. But uh, different complaint for a different day. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I have one more. It kind of progresses in the episode here, too. I'm going to try to push it along. But the main guy from the Wolf Bats, what, what's his name? I forget. Oh, Tano? Tano. Yeah, Tano. Just because we're coming off the episode we just came off of, when I think of a professional, and I think of a professional athlete at the top of his game, and he's on the best team, I picture somebody a little more aligned with LeBron. Maybe somebody a little more physically imposing. Mm-hmm. Not some guy that looks like he may or may not visit Hot Topic a lot. I like Hot Topic. That's not a hey, shot with Hot, hot topic. topic. But that's where he looks like he came from. And it's not like a professional athlete in my mind. I don't... Whatever. I, I agree. I totally agree. He's he's Robert Pattinson from Twilight. More <laughs> <laughs> Robert Pattinson. Um, so, so the match... The match gets to the point where they feel like they they've won because they've knocked all they they've done a knockout as the as the <laughs> announcer guy says. That's good. That's nice. Um, yeah, and uh, so they turn around and Cora. All right, again, people underestimate Cora. Cora is a beast. Like, how much does yeah. Cora bench? Yeah, <laughs> she's holding yeah. the ledge. She's holding Mako enough to like throw him over, and yeah. then Mako gets back on and saves the match. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Like, I, I, I love how just physically strong Cora is. And they gave it some legit momentum and everything. They didn't, like, OP her. It's not like she just threw him up yeah. there and then crawled up herself. Like, good physics behind it. It looked like, to me, I'm not a physicist, but it looked satisfying. Yeah. I mean, this is what you get when you spent 17 years of your life just training every exactly. single day. And then your dad is also, like, this beast of a man. Like, yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah, so... And that's why Cora is LeBron. Yes, exactly. Going back to last week. Yes, exactly. Uh, so that's that ends uh, match one with the uh, Mako getting the knockout, and then yeah. match two, we're getting they similar tie. cheap tactics, but yes. they do fire ferrets do fight back, and it ends in a draw at the end of time limit. Is that correct? Yes. So then it's a face off or whatever it's called, and Cora takes this one. Which, again, people talk about Cora as if she's just like really headstrong and can't think through fights. Cora has not only been trained physically and everything, but she's been trained fighter. You can see her match against her firebending trainers. You can see she's thinking, right? Like there's one person who comes up in the air and she 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 trips them and then she throws like a just a, a jab really at them just to get them off guard and she fully warms at them. Cora does the same thing here in this match. Mm-hmm. She throws a jab gets the guy off guard, and then throws a kick. Like, that's a boxer move, right? Yeah. You're setting up. You're setting yourself up. Yeah. I love that they gave us two angles of it, too. They showed it happen, and then they stepped it back. And so you yeah. can see the full kick again from the side. I thought that was kind of a neat animation. Oh, yeah, that was tactic. great. <laughs> I, I love how she didn't exert, like, any energy on that as well. Like, it was just like, boom, boom, done. All yeah. right, let's... <laughs> 
let's keep moving. <laughs> I feel like they were going for the crane kick, like in mm -hmm. in bending form. Oh, that, yeah. that was my takeaway. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so uh, most satisfying part of the entire episode, probably right there, she beats uh, Robert Pattinson off of that little bridge, <laughs> and then in match three. We are treated to more cheating mm -hmm. tactics. Everybody's upset at this point. The announcer's going crazy. He's like straight up yeah. making fun of the ref. Only one that. ref, by the way. Tough gig. I, so I had a question about that. I, I wrote down, as I was watching the episode, I was writing this down. I was like, oh, there seems to be only one ref. Like, so that kind of, like, what the heck are the rules? Like, we should probably have more than one ref for this sport. But there's actually a couple times in the announcer does say refs, plural, and then there's a super short shot where there's three referees huddled together, like in a. Oh, okay. I did not yeah. catch that. That's a great catch. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so there are apparently three refs in pro bending. In case people are wondering, um, but we only see the one talk. That's yeah. good because there's a lot going on there. There's no way that one guy would be able to see all that. No, no. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then one of the rules, like the, yeah, the third round. They're just completely just thrown away the, the rule book at this point. Like you can't, you can only use like Earthbrand's can only use the disc within their own zone, but like mm -hmm. they're using their own disc. There's one really terrible move. This is what they got the knockout with. Tano like turns his back, does water, and the guy puts rocks. He breaks up the disc, rocks in there, and then Tano throws the water at like Korra, and you can see the rocks just knock her out. It's one. Well, it's it's great animation. But uh, yeah, another another addition to kind of the rules there. I know yeah. I'm thinking the like not thinking about the right stuff here, but my third first thought process was as soon as Tano starts to throw that, those rocks are just gonna fall out of there. <laughs> He's oh, not yeah. bending the he can't hold those, and that's outrageous. Maybe he yeah, can. That, Maybe he that's can. A, yeah, that's a good. That's I never thought about that. He probably can bend with enough. Force. I, 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 don't, I don't know how it works. I just like, if I try to do that, the rocks would just fall out and I would just look stupid. Right. Well, one thing, like, speaking of like overthinking stuff, I kept, I was watching the match and, and like their masks, their helmets are really cool, but I hope there's like a, a vent, ventilator system or something like that because otherwise you're just going to breathe and the whole mask is glass or whatever. And, mm. well, well, I mean, like, like Andy Reid. Andy Reid. <laughs> You're just gonna, just... yeah, fog up. So I don't know. I just I thought that was interesting. I never thought about that before. I live in a suburb of Kansas City, and Chris isn't too far away. So that's been a huge, uh, a huge. Yeah. I, I shared one the other day that was like, you see these faces on game day, you know you're in trouble. And one was like Kobe biting the jersey. One was like the playoff LeBron face, and then one was Andy <laughs> Reid with the fogged up face mask. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Uh, so third match does not go well. Needless no, to say, they get knocked out. Or third, mm -hmm. uh, third round, or third, third round, third round. round yeah, it's in round. The match. Yes, yes. And they all get knocked think, out. I would, I would like to add more matches. I think three matches would be good, especially for a championship. There better be more games if you go to the pro bending arena just to watch 15 minutes worth of three yeah, rounds they're really short yeah. what do the tickets cost for that stuff it's a tough economy out there yeah. <laughs> um yeah so the match ends in knockout the game ends and everything and they're declared the winners and then out of nowhere which this part was so freaking cold i, th I thought it was so cool the way that like the 
the equalists just started coming up, like just from the crowds, taking out. I first love take that out. Man, watching them do their whole thing. Like, yeah, the whole thing. I, I really need to make a meme about wearing masks and doing that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, and then uh, and Tenzin can kind of sense it happening, which brings more, I have a slight theory that airbenders have some semblance of precognition um, mm-hmm. just because they can kind of feel the the, the changes in, in the atmosphere, which Tenzin senses it before Lynn does, which is actually really cool because Lynn has um, seismic sense. Makes sense. And she didn't feel it coming. So, so he was first to see it. Yeah, there's a discussion with that seismic sense thing because I know there was like an issue with that fans had with Lynn uh, like the first two seasons whenever she does segment seismic sense she metal bends her shoe or her boot out of the way and then she's barefoot to do it but then mm-hmm. there's this one specific scene like later in Cora where she does it and she still has her shoe on and yeah I, she's I getting better that's... or she's getting lazy <laughs> one of the two maybe maybe because she, she uses it in, in the next episode and maybe mm-hmm. she can use it better with bare feet because she's looking for like tunnels and everything. Right. So that's the only thing I can kind oh, of. Oh yeah, think that of. is right away next time, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that, I think that makes sense. And to me, I was thinking like if she does it without her, without you know, if she does it with her boot on, to me it just means she's just doing it better and she's hyper focused to yeah. to get through that, right? Yeah. All the yeah. times people people look when people talk about um, Cora versus Ang Five, they're like, well, Ang knows the seismic sense. I'm like, well, that's not like a it's not a complete see all things because mm-hmm. Toph that didn't necessarily make Toph undestructible because Toph got <laughs> like all of Royal Rumble people like those cis guys including the big old hippo carrying two big old things mm-hmm. got to jump on Toph and then when they kidnapped her so it's not like an end all yeah and those no, are pretty heavy of, heavy dudes we're yeah. talking about there <laughs> yep yeah she yep. yeah she should have sensed them like immediately when they stepped pretty within soon. 100 yards of her yeah <laughs> So, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, as Lynn does it, she it suggests that there's kind of an air of focus required when she does yeah. her stomp and and loses right. the metal shoe, right? Yeah. So, so to me, that this episode takes a really awesome turn once mm-hmm. the masks <laughs> once the masks start to come yeah. on. I I instantly felt the same way I felt the very first time I watched it. Is I'm I'm sucked into the episode from here on, um, and everything that happens from then on. But I, one, one thing that I took note of, just kind of a goofy thing, um, there's the, you know, the montage of everyone putting on masks and all that. And this one guy reaches into his popcorn. And I've thought for years, wouldn't the glove be full of popcorn? Like, be kind of gross and buttery <laughs> and stuff? Are you some freak who doesn't put any butter on your popcorn? What the hell? His... <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. In, and pulls out the glove like he doesn't grab the glove and then dump out the popcorn <laughs> his hand goes in and comes out with the glove i was just yeah maybe There's well he put the glove story. in he put the glove in uh no you're right i got nothing yeah yeah hmm. There's some side story there where he, he goes back like hey guys my, they're like why is your glove like buttery and so like nasty man long long story i just i didn't follow (laughs) i don't follow the right instructions i don't think it all lines up to all these guys got their gloves and their popcorn like they had to have a lot of inside people Mm -hmm. and a lot of nobody noticing gloves getting put into popcorn bins (laughs) but uh 
but who knows yeah. it's a busy place i'll i'll accept it it's fine yeah <laughs> um oh yeah so then the lieutenant which that's only his name he ends up electrocuting uh bolin mako and cora and he ties them up mm-hmm. then which is <laughs> and then bolin gets probably to chew through the, the the rope which i'm gonna say this this might be a controversial opinion but uh might be a hot take Pabu is far more helpful than Momo. <laughs> oh, that's not hot. Well, I mean, it could be a hot take, but it's the truth. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely the truth. Okay. It's not to bash Momo. It's a different type no. of character. But right, if I was right. going to pick one... <laughs> to, to save the day. To, to save my life? Yeah. Probably going with the ferret. Uh, and I love how yeah this episode picks up so much. I love how Corey like gets on the water and she rushes up. One thing is just a great bending done. But then, granted, sometimes Cora jumps in and she doesn't think. She just thinks I gotta go get him on. Mm-hmm. She runs out of water essentially, and then she's falling. And I know where Lynn catches her, and oh, it's just so beautifully done. Like the way Lynn uses physics really to catch up. Where Lynn has to like turn the table in a certain way to create enough force to throw Cora back up. Mm-hmm. And Cora comes back up there and she like fire bends at Amon. Oh, no, are you... we, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but Amon's speech at least oh, the first at least the first half of the speech is really compelling too. And I don't yeah, want to butcher it ruin it, but he like oh. I don't want to try yeah, to yeah. it, I'll butcher it. Well, oh man, what does he? Something about like yeah. benders bullying people or whatever, just like he saw with these cheaters <laughs> here. Or yes. Essentially, he calls out the match of being a hoax because yeah, like these, these are supposed to be your best benders, and they've you know bullied their way into winning this competition. Bunch of like, just the way they bully you, you, you non-benders out there. Yeah, the the line that I that really stood out to me was after he takes um, uh, Robert Pattinson's um, you know bending. <laughs> The, it, it's, it drives me crazy because like the voice acting is so good um, in this line and he, he says he cleanses cleanses them of their impurity and it's like the way he the way it's said is just so like it's like going to church or something when he, way he yeah. says it it's crazy yeah it's crazy yeah, the like, lens of your impurity like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you can you can so well done yeah which in retrospect is interesting because <clears throat> The thing is, Amon, even though he is a bender, he believes fully in his cause. Mm-hmm. He does believe that bending is the root of all, of all evil. Um, so him as a bender is, is really interesting when you look at it in retrospect. He, he really thinks of it as an impurity, which is, is, is some great writing there. Mm-hmm. And also, I didn't, I didn't really take note of this before, but he, he states in his speech that he is looking to like cleanse the world of yeah. bending not not just republic city but it's like the entire planet yeah it's funny the, the first time i watched i watched this i, I paid attention because right amon's having his speech and the speech doesn't stop but it goes then to uh core and them tied up with pabu uh biting off the rope mm-hmm. but mon's speech keeps going and you just hear him in the background and he's actually like talking about some really great ideas <laughs> he's like we're going to put in a, an equal government of everyone having a say like and it's it's really interesting because it's not. I, I would have liked that to be in the forefront because I think that really paves the way for what happens later. Yeah, you know, and then the series they do implement 
a government that's uh, a democracy that's voting on and everything while everyone's yeah. vote is equal um so i think legend of Korra does a really good job of sometimes um using the the protagonist i'm sorry the antagonist ideas and adopting them by the end i think really great shows and, and series and movies stories do that really well mm-hmm. like black panther right like T- t'challa he, he learned so much from Killmonger that he's like, oh, no, you know, we didn't share our resources with the world like the way he was going to do. But he went about it such a wrong way. And core villains are, are very much similar in that aspect. Yeah. I don't uh, I don't know where to insert this other than that when I was watching this and I just watched this one earlier today. I was thinking about I think that the I think the animation in Avatar The Last Airbender is better, but I think the voice acting is better in the Legend of Korra, and I, probably around this time when he's given the speech, or just the general interaction that Team Avatar has, um, I think the voice acting is is I don't want to say significantly better, but very. I mean, they got. I mean, they got a lot of great. People. I mean, yeah. I mean, they 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 had more villainous characters to to get really great voice actors for for. They didn't mm-hmm. rely on child actors as much. Right. So you, you know, I mean, the, yeah, that's can be probably great, big, but it's probably a big help. The animation thing yeah. made me think the other way though, because there's some of the shots where it's like really far off, where they like don't animate the characters' faces or anything. It's just like mm-hmm. blank faces off in the distance. Everyone. I think part of that is because, well, Avatar has that too. But I think part of that is because just the, um, the, uh, like it's it's so high def. It, it was mm-hmm. done purposely and you're seeing a very high def and so you're seeing some things in the background you're seeing on a bigger screen than they probably intended for absolutely mm-hmm. um yeah and and really great high def. So even if it's just like little squiggly lines you still see squiggly lines in high def <laughs> right absolutely um at, going back chris to what you were saying about uh, uh when cora gets free from um the rope from pabu and she like does a quick air uh water bending move and she does this water spout up yeah I, I never really noticed it before, but that water spout is probably bigger than the water spout Aang did in book one when he was in oh, the Avatar step. It's like, Korra is just so ridiculously physically gifted. It just, yeah. <laughs> just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, she beats Aang in water easily. Like, yeah. if you think about, absolutely, like, she, she water bends against Kuvira's mech suit. A whole, no Avatar state. Mm-hmm. Water bend ice, ice on it, which is Kavira's mech suit is about 20 stories high, right? Because you can compare that to the skyscrapers near and you can count the windows. Yep. It's at yep. least 20 stories high. Right. So she's bending no after I say water up about let's see, that's about 12 feet, 200 feet. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's a she's a beast. Um, Cora Brown yeah, so then, James. <laughs> exactly. So then, then uh, they pretty much it's, just, it's a fight with with versus uh, the Equalist Benders and and Cora mm-hmm. versus pretty much Lieutenant and Lena's giving giving them the business. Um, I love seeing Cora fight uh, the Lieutenant because like she's relying on fire bending a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and at one point she just backhands him. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> It's like Korra, the Avatar, the master of all four elements, or at least three at this time, just backhand somebody. <laughs> the ultimate disrespect. 
That to to me yeah. that the the most memorable thing for me about this episode is the fight scene on the on the broken roof of the uh, yes. arena. That that entire and and Sean to your point about the animation, um, to, to me I feel like fight scenes in Korra are animated better than they are in Last Airbender. Um, like this fight scene in particular is is like. The colors are really cool. The mm. just the way that that everything is being interplayed. Seeing seeing a non-bender using those electric <laughs> sticks versus yeah. a bender is just it's just really cool. And and then also the big thing about that fight scene to me is Lynn is a badass. Like <laughs> she's she is another level of just <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. She fight like she got the anger pent up inside her too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Tremendous fair oh, point and, too and... on the animation styles. Someday we'll have to do like some side by side fight scenes just for fun that make a yeah. fun episode. Right. Yeah, I think I think Cora definitely, without a doubt, has better animation. But one thing, one of the things that is, is much better, which Alfred didn't really try the hardest, the backgrounds. The back, especially in season one of Cora, for some reason they focus a lot on the backgrounds, mm. like. Like a lot of them just still shots are really great. Like just the scene of of just looking at the arena, like it's so golden and it's it's painted it looks so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, animation was done really well. And throughout this episode, I think especially with the electric shots shocks all throughout the the arena, like it was bright, <laughs> like in my eye. <laughs> um yeah, and then the lieutenant again who has those uh Eskrima sticks. Yeah, it's like disrespecting his weapons. Like you got shocky sticks. That's we're not even going to give those a name. <laughs> shocky sticks. Shocky sticks. That's all they are. I, I always thought that that scene where Cora is, as that fight scene is starting to begin, Cora firebends into the blimp, oh, and Amon Amon just yes. calmly just yeah. Uh, it's just so cool. The explosion behind right, him. Wow. Thing when all yeah. his compadres get like like exactly. heat blasted. And he just looks, it's just, he doesn't, it doesn't phase him. One Not bit. at all. Yeah. It's his, they did a really great, great job pacing, es- escalating Amon's threat mm-hmm. th- throughout the show, throughout this, mm-hmm. ep- throughout the first season, right? Because yeah. first you introduced him, like, oh, well, there's an equalist movement, Amon. And then you're like, oh, this guy can take away bending. And then he just escalates <laughs> all, every single episode almost. Yeah. I and agree. He takes over, he takes over. Like at the end of this episode, it's like holy crap, Republic City is at war. Like this guy is he is he wants to wipe out Bendy from the whole entire world. Yeah, yeah. My so my biggest takeaway as the, as this episode was ending is I'm like writing notes and I'm watching and I'm super engaged in the fight and everything. And then the episode ends and there's this like shot of the arena and the ring is just blasted. And I'm just like, man, this sucks. Your the ring is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's no more pro bending. <laughs> just completely gone. Yeah. Oh. Uh, all right. So then, so then the fight gets to uh, a point where Korra defeats somebody, but you know, like, like a uh, League of Shadows, Batman, always mind your surroundings. She falls because the glass breaks, mm-hmm. and then Lynn has a really great moment here where she go after him on. She can keep her word, right? And she's like, no, I gotta go save the Avatar, which is great character development because before she didn't really care about Korra, and now she saves her, which I, 
animation is done really well. And again, physics in the Avatar world, like she, she uses her cables and then she like catapults herself to go catch Korra. And then she catches Korra and, and she kind of checks to make sure she's all right. Yeah. Which one thing I love about Lynn, which I almost feel like doing a whole video essay on Lynn. If I, I don't know if I got enough real stuff to go off of. But she's a really interesting character because I feel like she is grumpy and kind of pissed off of the world, but a hard goal because the people in her life all left. Her mother mm. left her, didn't treat her um, you know, the way she wanted to be. Her sister left, didn't treat her the way that Lynn thought she wanted to be treated, felt like she should have been treated. Tenzin left her. So, of course, at this, you know, this middle-aged woman is like, no one is in my life. All I have is my job. And then she meets Cora and and she she kind of gives up her job for Cora in a sense that she could have went after Amon, but she decided to save Cora instead. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. Uh so then in the episode, I feel like they, pretty much yeah, they pretty much retreat from the stadium, but then I feel like one more big explosion or like something else in the stadium crumbles or falls apart or something. Yeah, something as they're else leaving, happens. Yeah. There's some more devastation as they are making their, their exit. But yeah, I, th- I do think at that point, the episode is pretty well over as they're making their escape. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this is the first time we've seen blimps? No, no, it's not. Never mind. It's not the first time we've seen blimps. The police force has blimps. Mm-hmm. Which you'd think, after the way they crashed and burned at the Hundred Year War, everybody'd be like, maybe blimps aren't a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> you get one metal bender. Those might have been Zeppelins. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not positive. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know the difference, but I'm sure there is one. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, that being said, uh, if you guys are ready to go to the ratings, I certainly am. I think yeah. I did uh, Chris's first, and then Theo's, right. and then we'll wrap up with mine. Chris. So I gave audio visual a nine out of ten. Some just some great animation here. Uh, whether it's the pro bending fight, but especially after things just take a complete turn, um, just the elect- electricity and everything, the shocks, the the fight between the Eagleists and and them, I gave it a nine. Story, give it a nine because I feel like the story wise stakes continue to rise. <clears throat> I feel like it was a, it was a great. Another Amon just keeps on. His legend keeps rising. I also feel like it was great Lynn stuff here with Korra. Um, yeah. Memorable. Gave it a nine. This is when... Yeah, I don't, I don't curse often. I'm not even going to curse now. This is when Ish hits the fan. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, this this is when, when things really start kicking into high gear. Like, Legend of Korra, book one, I think, is one of the, the best paced seasons of, of all the seasons um and and this is when it really just starts to to pick up maybe book three of Korra hmm yeah book three of Korra's paced really well <laughs> also book one um, has the benefit of only having to work through the 10 episodes though right that does impact right right uh impact pacing uh yeah I don't remember I book so. three well enough to have any comment on that yeah <laughs> I mean, I can't wait till we get to book three, Sean. I'm excited. Book three is like is is actually my f- personal favorite uh, season in all Avatar. Period. Excellent. It might be mine. Usually, it's, a lot of times it's just like whatever I've recently watched that I consider great. Honestly, 
usually it's between book yeah book three usually between book three and book one of of Korra. actually mm. man i don't know it's in book three of 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 uh atla mm. mm-hmm. but book two is also great but book two is great more so than like it's a great story but it's not as rewatchable because you're you're stuck without Aqua for so long and just like it's sad. Poor Aqua. Yes, Maybe uh, the second half, like the last ten episodes or the last eleven episodes of Book Three, mm-hmm. Fire would be would be hard to beat for me. But I know I'm splitting mm-hmm. seasons here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so then my weighted average score, of course, we went to nine out of ten. Yeah, except for I typed it wrong on the screen. But yeah, nine, not ninety-eight. What was I typing? <laughs> I must have been listening to you guys instead of typing. <laughs> Average of a ninety-eight. Uh, Theo, you want to take a crack at some ratings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, audio visual, I'm going with a solid nine on this. Um, that uh, I personally just everything just really plays in once those masks go up and Amon shows shows up. I, to me, just this entire episode just takes off, and it's it's awesome. Um, the fight scene on top of the arena is just beautiful to, to look at, um, and so yeah. So I'm I'm going uh, going with that. I, that nine is really good, also because like Sean keeps bringing up the um, uh, the voice acting in this episode, just from the beginning to the end, is mm. great too. It's just stellar. Um, so yeah. So going with that. Um, uh what's the next one um story story, mm-hmm. story uh we're going with uh seven and that is because um i don't really care for the first half so that just kind of chops it down for me story-wise i think what really propels the story is aman showing up and the stakes are seriously raised and they're raised a lot but but i feel like this particular episode, although it's a good episode, was just biding its time and waiting to get to that moment. So I have like a, a little bit lower rating for the story at seven. Um, and then uh, memorable, I'm going to 7.5. Uh, and like all of it is just because the the second half of it is so good. The first half of it, again, kind of wanes for me a little bit. So, yeah. Totally fair. And uh, we th- we think I didn't put it in the calculator. We think that comes out to like a seven point seven. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. very respectable. Um, I we all had kind of similar ideas. I I sort of flip flopped mine from Theo's though. I gave audio visual at eight and a half, um, for all the reasons we mentioned. But then I actually went a little higher on the story. And my pers- I don't know why, but it felt to me I really liked the progression of the story. It's almost like a. Um, I don't know if you want to call it like a red herring or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, like it even he Amon even told me he was going to do it, and then it's almost like I still had this false sense of security, and until it did happen, like and he told me he was going to do it. So I don't know. I I like the way that it progressed from me to right to uh, an amazing end. But you know, um, it definitely is way more interesting in the second half. And then mm-hmm. for memorable, I went back to an 8.5. Again, I always remember the end, the last, you know, the last 10 minutes of the episode. Pretty clear up here. Uh, first half, not much sticks, but obviously it's a really good episode overall. Yeah, same so, here. That brought me to an 8.7, which, uh, waiting Chris's, uh, Chris's average and my average out, came out to an 8.9 rounded up. So that is a really strong episode, at least compared to what our, our typical average scores are. Are eight point nine, 
tremendous episode, uh, episode six, which is called The Winner Is, sorry, and The Winner Is, and that is book one, Heir of Legend of Korra, chapter six. And that's it for the ratings. Uh, Theo, it's been great to have you as a guest. Do you have any final thoughts from either episode? Anything that you didn't find another place for and and you got to get it out of here? Uh, yeah, um, more Bolin. I just want, I just, I just Bolin is awesome. Um, I wish, uh, I wish the first season gave him a little bit more, uh, stuff. <laughs> this episode could have given him a little bit more stuff. Um, that's kind of, kind of my only takeaway from this particular situation. I'm very excited. I just, I don't know. I think Korra in general is just very underrated, um, as a show, as a whole. Um, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuance to, to Korra that a lot of people tend to overlook. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of my takeaway from it. Chris, you got final thoughts on, Agreed. Uh, on this episode or the last one? Uh, no, it's all fun. Thank you for uh, being on, Theo. Glad, glad you uh, glad you asked. Glad we got you on some really timely episodes to mm-hmm. coincide with NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Go Lakers. <laughs> I am impartial. I just want everybody to have a good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm actually I'm not a Celtics fan, Theo, but I am a fan of Brad Stevens because I do like good coaches and I think he's an evil mastermind. So secretly, I was crossing my fingers for that uh, classic Celtics Lakers. Yeah. But uh, hey, that's all right. Had a good run. Ne- next year. Next year. Next year. Yeah. Uh, Theo, I agree. It was really great to have you on. It was a tremendous episode idea. Uh, interesting cross section that I'm happy to talk about all day long, as ep- as evidenced by the uh, hour ten runtime that we spent <laughs> on the first part of the episode. In our defense, we spent 55 minutes on this episode, so we we time shared yeah, pretty appropriately. We had to. This episode was a really good episode to talk about. It's true. So, the, uh, Theo, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Looking forward to having you back sometime if you'll join us again. Chris, as Absolutely. always, always a pleasure. Um, I let the guests overshadow you sometimes, and that's my bad. I'm sorry. I'll ask you how you're doing in both episodes next time. No, it's fine. That one's I'm doing fine. I'm always fine. It's most, not fine. Most of the time. It's, not, it's, okay. it's on me. But it's always a pleasure. So that's Chris, the Objective Geek. I'm Sean Taylor. Our guest today is Theo Brown. We'll put some contact information in the description. In the meantime, thank you so much for watching Avatar the last podcasters it's been a lot of fun and we will see you next week yeah i'll put where you can get this shirt kiyoshi shirt yeah oh yeah definitely awesome. like that shirt to yes. us and everybody else because it's absolutely shirt. Yeah. all right take care all see ya okay we are muted and going through Oh, like he is your protagonist in your game. (laughs) That is kind of what it is. Like, instead of a high score, there's just an objective-based game where the goal is to keep him asleep.